Tend the heart well. A tide of renewal. Happy New Year. All good wishes to you for the coming year from me on the southern sea edge of the archipelago of Bridget. From the beginning, in November 2022, this substack has included many letters and excerpts from letters which I have sent to my dear ongoing correspondents. I only give names or initials when I've received permission to do so. Sometimes it's correct to anonymise them. I write best by communicating with friends, the land of my home here in Wessex, with certain trees, or materials which call to me, such as ochre and chalk. I'm never really thinking on my own. Who is? We are always in conversation with other writing, our culture, the past, the natural world, and everything we do not yet know about ourselves. Today, I would like to share a recent letter to my friend Ian, from a series which truly helped strengthen then crystallise a few new compounds that had previously been sloshing around only in weak solution, and for whose books and friendship I am beyond grateful. Towards an unobstructed spring. I have been thinking about the great mystery, God and Tao, all year, without much pause. It has been exacerbated by not having been able to get to Mark's Tai Chi classes and push hands with my classmates, where so much of my unwording and unwinding has taken place historically, where the knowings and unknowings that I have come to rely on have leaned into one another in the good, yielding, four-ounce pressure of the correct touch. So I have been writing to you and a couple of other dear friends, so that I may abide in good company with matters of heart, to hold things close enough that I can look deeply at them, but with the extra care that speaking to another requires, to have the necessary distance, just less than arm's length, I think, so that I can see clearly, without being distracted by the grain, but can take in the context, the room, and be able to look up and meet another's eyes and laugh again at my own seriousness. Recently, I keep feeling that people are missing the prime movement for why they become interested in, beloved of, faithful to, or dedicated to, anyone or anything. People talk about the what, and give convincing-sounding post-hoc justifications which make claims to rationality. But you can hear the joy in their voice, the sudden expressive gesture, when one sincere question returns them to the kernel of their unbidden inquiry. It is unmistakable and cannot be faked. How they truly got there, the way in which. The original spark that connected them, the small voice that drew them a little closer, the joyous bubble in the chest that first youthful conversation, even about science or maths or any subject whatsoever, was a feeling, not a rational thought. In my opinion, a divine feeling. A mini moment of first creation. A tiny shard of the original fiat lux every time we come into deep connection with that which is not self, or indeed even with aspects of self that have been temporarily othered by wrong view or sad event, the prodigal parts finally welcomed home. This generative synapse, 
which I think is actually something having been longed for in us, coming into being via true connection, by the receptivity of the emptiness that invites the spark, is there in my relation to all the things I love and all the relationships I cherish, human and non-human. It is the irresistible undertow of most great music, art and thought. This longing, as Rumi so aptly put it, I think when we are not entirely embattled, we are in a continual process of being made long by life and that the ability to withstand this and allow it to shape and transform us is a central aim of our practice. I think that the process that you describe beautifully in chapter 28 of The Matter with Things and originally in The Master and His Emissary which happens when an aspect of the present moment has presenced freshly to the right hemisphere, is apprehended briefly and helpfully by the left hemisphere, and then returned in more fulsome knowing to the right, is the pattern of real knowing in the context of, even an exceedingly brief amount of, passing time. Yet I think that it also happens instantaneously, as a form of grace, in sudden knowing, love, the deep appreciation of arts, conversation, sometimes in our Tai Chi or heartwork practice and other varieties of, for want of a better word, religious experience. That one is to the other as gradual and sudden enlightenment are in classic Zen. There is just knowing. And it feels to me exactly like the knowing that comes from the whole beautiful right-left-right cascade. Both knowings are pure, clear water in a pool, if you like. The first flows there along a short riverbed, passing briefly through the soul's landscape to arrive in the pool. The second is a spring and bubbles up straight from the rock. Of course, it's just as good to drink from either. May we be blessed with both. Everything for everyone and nothing for ourselves. This week I have been mainly feeling that personal salvation and individual enlightenment are oxymorons. How it is only in the present moment that salvation or enlightenment exist, and that to seek heaven, salvation or enlightenment, or what in Taoism is called immortality, just for oneself, is cutting off one's own roots from ancestors, from fellows, from creation, from descendants, that it is a misconstrual of the religious urge, which is surely to be joined again with all things, and not to be right. That heaven is for everyone, of all eras, at all times, and is imminent. That I would want nothing to do with a God who would choose between children, saving some and condemning others. That there is no hard thing in my life that I will not seek to transform as a sacred task. That peace is the moment of forgiveness. That there are no ongoing or permanent states of peace, forgiveness, blessedness, etc. One must renew them daily as one would bestow a kiss upon the beloved's head upon waking. That love, philia, agape, eros, and infinitely more loves than these, like water, outlasts and wears out all other things, 
that connection is the conduit and only needs the clearing of obstructions. It doesn't need building, as connections between all things already exist, like channels in porous rock, if we only looked closely. And when we do look closely, in every sphere of science or philosophy, at whatever scale, we see the fallacy of separation of atomization for what it is, a cheap trick of false accounting in the dodgy double ledger of the left hemisphere, who is ruinously currently employed by the overculture as the chief arbiter of value. That the channels available for connection are often most abundant in the pumice-like soul rocks formed in life's volcanoes. That the heart's caldera is where the trace elements needed for true psychic health are brought to the surface. The sulphur of determination, the mercury of adaptability, the lead of faith. All of which must sometimes periodically take the place of joy until the steaming slopes cool enough for it to grow green again in every super-fertile new cleft. That if we do not say no to it, then we are instantaneously already interconnected, and that this is the most radical act possible, as love cannot be legislated for and is not manageable that it is entirely possible to love those who gravely wronged us and to wish them peace and liberation without constraint, whilst still knowing that their actions were ill. That this also applies to ourselves. That the subversive energy of love is the greatest threat to the machine as it defies all boundaries and classifications. This is why all current systems of oppression, including many governments and giant technologically pervasive corporations, seek to control and reduce for whom we may feel love and care. That this will never work, as we have evolved for and from delight. The kingdom of heaven is absolutely within all hearts and does not require fixed beliefs. It is instead an ongoing practice, like true wildness, of not seeking to control or damn one's native flow of goodness. So, I am thinking about what a well-tending of the heart might look like. A ragged shawl. I would love to belong within one canon, an orthodoxy, to have a ready-made cohort of like-minded souls with whom I could adhere to what wise words had already long been written. I am lucky to have stumbled early into a couple of wonderful wisdom traditions, Fire Tai Chi and Vama Good Childhood Schools and Churches. Lastly, yet also somehow foremost, the foundational school of embodiment in and as nature, through working with its wild materials always to hand. I have genuinely tried to fit my soul into prior-named shapes, but it is always a procrustean bed from which I awake the next morning, not only spiritually footless, but with a longing the size of an ocean bed, parched and sending me crawling towards that which pulls me forwards, the great mystery, 
I find a similar yearning in your writing and in the words and actions of those strangers and friends to whom I am drawn. It is part of my work to attempt to pull on all our dangling threads, to gather something together somehow, if only to make a small bright scarf to wear against the chilling winds of the machine. These are the latest few lines of weft. I hope you recognise the pattern. I send you love from wintry Bournemouth. See you soon. Caro.